nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. My name's Devin. We're going to talk a little bit about um, kind of a stretch of Austin FC games. I'm sure we'll touch on League's Cup and the St. Louis City debacle a little bit, but mostly we're going to kind of run through the depressing 97th, 98th, last kick of the game, minute winner uh, for FC Frisco that secured uh, or that uh, undid securing Copa Tejas for Austin. Um, I've been taking a uh, soccer-related sabbatical today and haven't thought about it a ton up until getting ready for this. Um, had a nice day with, uh, we have a new puppy and we took her out to Jester King and a farmer's market to go meet people. So I haven't thought about this game until about half an hour ago. Uh, so I'm going to get gradually angrier as this podcast goes on and I think more about it. Um, but joining me today are uh, Charles Peacock of the False Nine. Charles, have you? how have you been uh, washing away yesterday? Uh, so, so I started last night. I actually started... Uh, uh, I spent my time watching Bob's Burgers, which is the ultimate just like nothing show, good vibe show, um, yeah. which is great. I stayed up way too late. Uh watching that and then this morning i went and got a really great fried chicken sandwich that just completely turned my day around Fantastic. where was this fried chicken sandwich from uh it's from a place called sawyer and company on uh caesar oh, chavez yeah, which good. uh yeah it's really good it's like a retro diner kind of feel it was really nice nice all right well if anybody's still looking for something that seems uh easy to grasp uh you heard seth there seth who knows everything how are you uh learning to live again after yesterday Oh, I mean, I, I, I'm a glutton for punishment, but I will say I turned off my phone about 30 minutes after the game. Like I was still up for another hour yesterday, but I'm like, I'm turning my phone off. I don't want to look at, I'm turning my computer off. I don't want to look at anything on the internet, which was a very healthy decision. And then um, this morning I decided to go to my local pub to go watch the Liverpool-Newcastle match. And as a Liverpool fan, I decided, eh, let's see how this goes. And they give away a stupid goal. They get a questionable red card. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to go. It's a nice day. I'm going to go run errands and do other stuff at halftime. And they came back and scored a stoppage time winner. And my other European team scored a stoppage time winner. So two for three of the stoppage time winner department this weekend. My life isn't too wrecked. Yeah, I was on the uh, other end of that 88th minute equalizer for Fulham yesterday. So I'm uh, I'm well and done with uh, the soccers for at least today and um, possibly tomorrow and Tuesday. We'll see. Definitely back on Wednesday when we play Seattle. But also joining us, uh, Brad Tillery. What uh, fun, sickos things have you been doing to uh, entertain your mind? Well, immediately when the game ended last night, I flipped over to uh, college football because it's week zero. And if you're a true college football sicko, yesterday was a glorious day. Uh, that started with like Jacksonville State playing UTEP and ended with a rain-delayed Hawaii versus Vanderbilt game in front of about 50 people in Nashville. Um, so that was fun. I ended up watching that late night game. And then uh, at 11 a.m. this morning, some uh, pro wrestling over in over in London has been going on. And I'm still watching it as we can record this. And uh, it started with uh, Luke Perry's kid getting his ass kicked. So it's been a fun day. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like uh, good strategies for, for everyone. And um, feel free to tweet at us if you have any good other suggestions for us to try out. Uh, I'll also say if you have a 12, 13 week old puppy that you need to chase around, that's very exhausting and definitely takes up a bunch of mental space. Um, but let's get started. We'll, uh, 
we enter, I believe, uh, this conversation. It's about 3.15 on uh, on the day after the game, and we are currently still sitting in a playoff spot, uh, albeit barely. Um, Seth, do you want to give us the rundown on kind of where we sit and what we're looking forward to right now? Yeah, so we are uh, – so there was a lot of talk at Leagues Cup, including – by myself to say that, hey, we're in fifth place. This isn't so bad, even though we know that if we had lost the Sporting KC right before League's Cup, that we could have easily been down in ninth place there. So we have gotten to a point now where we are in ninth place after yesterday's loss. Uh, Minnesota has two matches in hand on us. They are only one point below us in the table. However, in Puro MLS, um, if Minnesota draws Seattle today, they will have 32 points and have a better goal differential. But since we have won nine games and they have only won eight games, uh, so it would actually still be above them in the standings because that, I don't know, that's Scarborough logic there for you. Um, but the, the real truth is, like, yesterday in the West, St. Louis went into Orlando and lost. LAFC had to play Wednesday at home against Colorado and then had to fly out to Charlotte. They lost. RSL lost at home to Houston. Seattle has not played yet, as we're saying they're playing later this afternoon. Houston did go and beat RSL. San Jose went in and lost to Sporting KC. Vancouver did beat the Timbers, so they jumped us. But, like, no one, like RSL is in third place in the same amount of matches as us, as us five points ahead of us. The West is just going to be a race to the bottom, and I don't think anyone is actually good in the West. My only thing at this point is like, okay, whoever is the East team is going to win MLS Cup Finals at this point. Like, but I don't know. It's weird. It's MLS. Anything here's, what I just, here's what I just learned: is Seth said basically we are all submarines trying to go see the Titanic, and the last one to explode is going to win the West. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was doomed saying when we were like, oh yeah, you know, we're in fifth, haha, and I was like, now we're like. A couple of shitty games away, and uh, look at that schedule we have coming out of League's Cup. But um, at the same time, there is a little bit of hope. If you get in, if everybody else sucks, you know, maybe Ryusi hits a hot streak or Rigoni gets his head out of his ass for five games or something, and uh, we can make something happy, ha- happen and then uh, go lose to Messi and go by 10 goals in MLS final. Yeah, because even, like, with the results yesterday, like, there's only – nine points separating LAFC in second in Minnesota in 10th. Like it, the West is going to change out the the standing just every match day. And decision day is just going to be at a wildly chaotic event that I could not be more excited about. Yeah. And I'm still not convinced by the way, you mentioned Messi that he's going to, they're going to make the playoffs. I'm still not convinced of this because you've got to remember Tata mentioned it yesterday. They've got three matches where he's going to be gone on international duty. So, so I saw that quote, and and then preparing for this, I say, okay, I looked at their schedule. You've got a game against Sporting KC that's during an international window. So, like, Messi is not going to be there. At this point, Jordi Alba, I think, is still the captain of the Spanish national team, right? Uh, for some reason, I was thinking he retired, but maybe not. I don't know. We can, we'll go to the Googles real quick here to see if he has still – no, I don't think he has – he is still – I mean, our good friends at Wikipedia say he is still the captain and list him as a current player. Okay. Well, I mean, there's been international windows since uh, since the World Cup, so – Well, I, I guess the, que- really the question is, does Messi play – so right now we have a – MLS did something smart next week, in theory. Miami plays at LAFC next Sunday night at 9 p.m. Central Time, Labor Day weekend. Sunday night, I don't know, Brad, you probably know this without me Googling. Who's the college football game Sunday night next week? Florida State and LSU in Orlando. 
Um, yeah, I think that there's a chance that LAFC, Inter-Miami, if Apple were to actually release this, or if they were smart to actually put it on Fox, like if that was on broadcast TV, that might have come close to rivaling that for ratings. But they, they're not, because they're putting some other game on FS1 first, and they're just leaving that on Apple alone. So it won't match the college football ratings. But I also don't know if Messi's playing in this match. Don't know. Questions for another time. I was actually getting a little more depressed listening to all those results because I was thinking we were playing this turgid one or nothing, nothing draw. And it was like, okay, we'll get our little trophy and then, uh, you know, we'll go home and everything will be fine. And maybe we'll lose some ground in the West, but you know, whatever, we'll get Copa Tejas kind of one of our bare minimums, but we actually would have made up ground if we had, uh, it just held on a little bit. I'm going to say something even more depressing and feel free to a thousand mile away slap me at this point. But if we had one against City and we had one against Frisco, we would currently be in third place in the West and three points off of first place. <laughs> this league is so dumb. It makes no sense. Yes. <laughs> like, it, it is. would be great to watch from the outside. Very okay. much. Uh, and uh, it's funny when it's not happening to me, League. Oh, 100%. That's exactly what MLS energy is just every week because there's always just two results that don't make any sense. Well, I mean, yeah. can we talk about – let's pause this for one second to see the thing that made the least amount of sense in the entire league last night. And admittedly, I was not watching by this point. But did any of you see Diego Fagundes try to sub on for the Galaxy last night? Oh, yeah. No. That was yes. hilarious. That, uh, that is the most, like, MLS, like – and here's the thing, it happens in other sports too, because there was one match where like Damian Lillard or no, um McCollum on CJ McCollum on Portland got listed with the wrong number on the pre roster and the Clippers noticed it and got him DQ'd from the game. <laughs> <laughs> so what actually happened for those of us who turned our TV off as soon as that ball hit the net and haven't put it back on since then? So so what happened was that, so Diego Fagundes, as you know, when he was here in Austin, was wearing number 14, and that they had listed him when they were doing their copy-paste from roster from Austin to the Galaxy. They listed him as 14, which is, if you follow the Galaxy, is also Chicharito's number. Chicharito is out for the rest of the year, but that Diego, they gave Diego Fagundes the number 21. But since that, on the official score sheet he was listed as 14 the uh, the fourth official who's conducting the subs did not let him sub onto the match so he was unable to make an appearance despite being listed on the bench and like they had him ready at the sub window and everything where <laughs> he wasn't able to sub on okay now i'm really yeah, sad there's I a didn't photo- watch that. that's high comedy yeah no, there's a photo of him like with the board above him about to get subbed on and they and, and he just doesn't get to go and, and, and I saw the, the thing about him getting subbed on, and then I saw the subsequent tweet, and I was like, wait, what happened? Yeah. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, Alliance of Magicians in uh, Arrested Development, where there's just everybody in the league sit, holding up a sign that says, we demand to be taken seriously, <laughs> and shit like that keeps happening. Uh, well, it's good fun. The other high comedy thing in the league from a result perspective last night was Atlanta and Nashville. So Atlanta quietly is just starting to beat the shit out of people. And they beat the hell out of Nashville for nothing. Nashville's coming off a League's Cup run where they, they lose in PKs in the, cha- in the final. Do you realize what their form is 
in MLS play. They've lost Bad. like five of the last seven that they played, and they're below, and they're in seventh place in the league now. They've dropped that far. It, it, it's it's funny how like a midseason tournament has skewed the view on how quality a team may be when you actually like stop and take back into what's going on in MLS right now. Yeah, well, you look at uh, City as a great example too. They're in first place in the West, and they were, I believe, the first team eliminated from League's Cup. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they got beat last night on the road too. I mean, we right now we have there is one legitimately good team in this league right now. Uh, mm-hmm. If we look at standings alone, I mean, Cincinnati has a ten point margin on the entire league at the Supporter Shield. That is here's, just crazy. Here's from a points perspective: everyone sixth and above in the East would be in at least second place in the West right now. Oh. <laughs> That's old school. Uh, that's how the NHL used to be, where you'd have like the entire uh, central division would be better than like everybody except for two teams making the playoffs in the East. Uh, and then they'd chop it up and only give us a few teams. But um, that's not great balance. Uh, and we know the MLS loves parity. But like for the last few years, the West has been consistently better than the East. And then it just like flips like that because this league makes no sense and it makes it wonderful. No, but I mean that's part of the fun, right? Oh, one hundred percent. And it only takes like a couple of player moves to like really change the balance of power. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, a club like FC Cincinnati, who was you know a fucking joke eighteen months ago. Three straight Anthony Precourt Memorial wooden spoons. And you know they won a playoff game last year and are now cruising in first place. Um, and their franchise is what two years, three years older than ours. They are by MLS standards two years older, but obviously they had some USL days that we didn't have. Sure, sure. Uh, so it can be done. But uh, speaking of can be done, let's get through analyzing this game, which hopefully is not going to take long, and we'll talk about some of the fallout a little bit more. Uh, kind of a brief summary: nothing fucking happened in this game. Um, like very, very briefly, there are almost no chances in the first half. Um, maybe like a free kick. And then, you know, in the second half, we get this legendary Ethan Finley, uh, bicycle kick attempt, uh, that I watched a couple times on replay. Um, this podcast's favorite player now, Ethan Finley. So I was really hoping it would go in. Um, but, uh, um, not a whole lot going on, you know, some yellow cards dished out. I thought the referee was good. And then we get to what's, you know, there's really like two to three events in this game. Uh, and normally we say that as like, those are big events. I mean, there are literally only two or three things that happened in this game. Um, it was very back and forth, sloppy, turgid. It was not a good advertisement. Anybody who paid to watch that game should get their money back. Um, but Danny Pereira picks up a second yellow. Um, you know, we'll start with Brad. Did you think that's yellow number two? Oh, I saw it live. I thought it was your number two. You could see the the referee immediately played advantage. Um, and they just let the play develop, waiting for the whistle. But when he blew the whistle and started running back, evident that he was going to get a yellow. No complaints. It was a terrible challenge by Danny. And he's there's no doubt about Danny's growth over the last few years since his rookie season. He's become arguably one of the top two sixes in the league. But he still makes these young, aggressive mistakes at least once or twice a year that inevitably end up costing us a game. And it happened again last night. 
Uh, yeah, we'll come back to the costing us the game bit, but uh, Charles, thoughts on the, the second yellow? I, I mean, it had to have been yellow. I think the only question was was um, was how was whether or not the advantage was going to result in a goal or not. I mean, it, it was clear based on how the ref was calling the game that it was going to be a yellow. I thought he did a pretty good job. He did a good job of um, giving Ariola a yellow in the first half, like really early, like 13 minutes in for yeah. descent. Uh, and I thought that set like a really good baseline of just like, guys, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Uh, I thought, especially, you know, it's a big rivalry game. He managed it very well. Um, Seth, any thoughts? Uh, I get to the point of like, we felt like we were playing for a nil-nil draw. And usually this team has not proven that this is a team that can successfully park a bus. Like, we're, we're, that's not what we do well. And we didn't... Like we are a possession-based football team, and once we went down to ten men last night, we barely had any of the ball, and it's just like we don't know how to play without the ball. No, we don't. That was frustrating to watch. No, and um, I'm going to take a little bit of a a different path here. Like I don't think Danny can have any complaints about this. I thought the uh, the Frisco player did a great job of kind of selling it, but I don't know if you have to give that as a second yellow the same way you guys are kind of talking about. Um, no, I think you, you have to give that as a second yellow. I disagree with you. All right. Well, like I said, I haven't watched it back since last night. So uh, three of you against one of me, I'm probably the one wrong, right? Yeah. Eh, maybe. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's get into kind of how this goes on. You know, we're down to 10 men. We're defending pretty well. We don't really give up. There's like a, a couple really soft headers maybe. Um, and we did a very odd sub towards the end where we took, uh, I believe it was Driusioff for Jossi Zardes when we already had Bruin on the field. And I don't quite understand this sub. And it's with, you know, 10 minutes ago or so, 84 maybe. Um, what did you guys think of that move, either like taking Seba off or uh, having Zardes be the one to come on? I guess I mean, start with Seth. <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, I mean, Seba was, I don't know if he, I, I thought he was hurt initially at that moment of the match, but he didn't look okay. Um, I honestly would not have minded seeing him come off. And if we thought Leo could go for 10 minutes, bring Leo on for like a back three to have something that's a little sturdier. Or honestly, like if you're going to bring in a winger, like, because we weren't really playing two up top there, bring in CJ. I mean, you already took him off of FC, so you haven't gotten him into a match there yet. It might be a little bit of an interesting choice, but Giassi's not fully healthy right now. I would have definitely brought in. Leo would have been my one choice. CJ would have been my two. I don't think Giassi should have played. and Hopefully he can go on Wednesday because uh, our striker options right now are pretty darn bad. And I don't know how – I don't think we're going to see Maxi before the international break is over, but I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. They did say on the broadcast that he's cleared protocol, but um, they're kind of holding him out as, you know, an extra precaution. Uh, the weird thing about that Zardes thing for me is we we're almost playing him as like a 10, obviously because Bruins out there. But like at that yeah. point, why would you bring on yeah. Zardes to do this? Um, so it's just confusing for me. Uh, Brad, any thoughts on that? No, Seth hit it on the head. The, yeah. the play was to bring in Leo. If you, if you think if he's been training and he can give you 10 minutes and he's on the roster, which means he's got to be on there for some reason, if it's not just for even an emergency situation, right? 10 minutes. The guy should be able to go for 10 minutes. Park him at the top of the 18. Yeah. It's just, it helps solidify your back line. 
and it's going to put you in a much stronger position to finish out that game. Uh, Zardis, the guy plays hard, no problem with that. I get that he's bringing in some height, but he doesn't offer you anything new in that situation to help you see the game out. Whereas Leo gets you to where you need to be to make sure that you get out of there with at least a point. Yeah, and I can see the the height argument about, okay, you know, you put him in there to basically clear set pieces, fine. Uh, ultimately, didn't work out. <laughs> but, uh, Charles, anything else you want to add there? Uh, no, I mean, I, I agree with everybody else in that, like, it was just kind of a baffling substitution. Like, it didn't really make sense into to what they were trying to do at all. And I think it opens up a very obvious question of, was Leo actually healthy enough to play last night? Yeah. Um... I mean, I don't, it's not like it was a home game. He traveled. So you would think he would at least have five, 10 minutes in him, right? Yeah. I mean, well, just... especially if like, if, um, you know, Kip played for FCTO on Friday night, like if Leo's, if Leo can't actually play, he shouldn't have traveled and he should have just had Kip, Kip in that spot. Cause you could have at least thrown him out there at the end. Yeah. Well, what a week and a half ago, Josh said Leo had been training up to 14 or 15 minutes of seven or 11 on 11. You would imagine that that's gotten a little more in the week and a half. But if he was 14 to 15 minutes, full to go, 11 on 11 in training, he can give you 10 minutes in a game. Yep. Uh, And, I mean, it's not like we had extra time or anything to worry about. So uh, a little baffling for me. It was also, if we're going to kind of play that game, we started ring, which I liked. But, you know, we pulled him off. So if he was kind of your emergency center back, you already – played that card and you're just sort of screwing yourself over i guess from the get-go here um so i don't know it was it was a little weird but um (laughs) two big things happen uh well i guess three did you guys agree uh seven minutes on the clock was right i know seth you uh you have a little formula you were doing for this so you thought it was fine yeah no it's you get you had a three minute water break there it was obviously hot up there in frisco um you had it, usually the default rule in IFAB is it's 30 seconds per sub window. We also had some time to argue the red card. Everything else there, seven felt fine. Okay. I had yeah, I mean, with seven. Obviously. I mean, personally, I was kind of surprised that they let it go on so long because, you know, they've been so stringent about when that drone show was going to start. Um, <laughs> so I kind of thought that they, the ref, they might have gotten to the fourth official and been like, guys, we have to end by this time. Really? The drones are, they're coming. Um, yeah. Not the drones I was looking for, though. No, exactly. Where the fuck does Star Wars night in the middle of August? Can somebody answer this for me? It's called They Need to Get People in the Seats, and they will do anything they can to get people in the seats. Like, you know, you you have the drones provide shape, but, like... Based on what I saw on television, that didn't help. It was... Apparently, it was more full there at, near the end of the match than it was during the match, which, uh, I don't know, maybe Houston could take some lessons from. Maybe. But, like, if well, you were just there for the drone show, couldn't you just show up in the parking lot? Yeah. You had to pay $20 to get into the parking lot. Couldn't you just park yeah. on the street? Drones go high. <laughs> yeah. Welcome welcome to DFW. $20 to park. <laughs> I mean, it's still cheaper than Q2. Ugh. Some of us don't pay for parking at Q2. Yes. Although I do a walk like three quarters of a mile to the stadium. So I guess that's a fair trade-off. Same. Yeah, but like Star Wars night is as close to May the 4th as you can get for like any team that makes fucking sense, right? Normally. um, I mean, that's sort of 
unofficial if, Star Wars Day? I mean, if, here's the thing. If FC Dallas's promoters were half as good as any minor league baseball team, yes, they would absolutely do that, but they're not. I mean, t- to be fair to FC Dallas, and I to can't be believe I'm saying this, they did not play a home game between April 15th and May 17th. Also, you don't have to, to do, do May 17th. <laughs> you could just choose yeah. not to do that version. <laughs> Like, I'm assuming the thing was like, okay, we'll add this extra little bit because we want people in the stands for this big rivalry game, right? Yes. But at the same time, fuck those people. So, um, you know, maybe if you wanted more people in the stands, you could have, like, not an entire behind-the-goal area dedicated to, like, Toyota-thon. Well, I mean, they've done – with the Houston match they hosted and now our match, they had fireworks and drone shows. One, ostensibly to get people in the stadium. But two, it was a convenient excuse to – get the visiting team fans out of there quickly. Is there actually like a a real security concern at Frisco? Uh, I mean, like there's a basic one for any game, but like beyond that? There's like in terms of physical violence, no. It gets mostly trolls that are chirping from Frisco, unlike Houston where they're trolls that actually hit real people and steal real stuff. Like that's not really been the issue up in North Texas. The issue there is just like basic common sense that seems to be lacking. That parking lot, I'm. It's amazing that you can pay twenty dollars to park in an unlit parking lot. Like just like the, the lack of common sense around some of these people in North Texas is beyond me. Yeah, and there were. I was not on the pre-match security call this time, but there were a few of our friends that. Um, if that had been an in-person meeting, I don't think that – I think there would have been more than shuffling of papers that might have happened there. Yeah, I was on that call, and um, I'm going to be as diplomatic as I can be here. Unprofessional is the word I want to use from uh, one of the top guys that was on there from, from our friends up north. Just just really, really unprofessional, and uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. I mean, you can go further if you want to. Um, we're allowed to do uh, oh, so uh, anger therapy here. Fair. Well, um, I understand all these security calls. It's RFO, the other team's FO, usually MLS, somebody from MLS. And, you know, are the visiting supporter people like liaisons travel who are helping coordinate just to make sure we're all on the same page. And usually it's just like, hey, here's your ingress plan. Here's your egress plan. Uh, go over a few things. So there was asking questions about if Austin had won Copa Tejas, you know, present, presenting in the stadium, blah, 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 how we could do it. And very much they were against that. And it, it was all because, ostensibly because of the drone show. They got to get us out of there, don't have time for it, blah, blah, blah. Um, one of the people on the call specifically made a kind of a snide comment of, well, I have my own thoughts about celebrating in someone else's stadium, to which it took everything in my power not to go, did you watch the end of League's Cup the other night? Um <laughs> or did you watch Jesus Ferreira celebrate yeah. in our own stadium? In yeah. Um, but then uh, while we're questioning, like, the the reasoning behind this, and we kind of openly question, like, is it about soccer or not? Because we're trying to, you know, build soccer in this state, and we want people to, we want people to embrace the cup. And uh, as we continue to question, I think he's a VP up there. Uh, I'll leave the name out of it. Basically, and I'm trying to, I'm going to paraphrase it. I don't have the exact words, but the exact words were close to, I'm about to lose my shit. Y'all, 
I, I'm on, we're, we're all in business. Seth, you, you do uh, government work. I'm in meetings with very, very large corporations on a daily basis. You don't say that in a professional Definitely. setting. <laughs> in a professional setting, you just don't do it. And um, no one was antagonistic on the call towards them. That's the other thing. We were asking questions. Everybody was calm. Like, well, are we sure? We to, okay. You know, it's ultimately it's their call, but it seemed like any little pushback was angering this person more and more to the point where he's on video and the entire time he's on video is so disinterested in what's going on that he's tossing a baseball up in the air back and forth to himself. Like it, it was just reprehensible to me that you can't even talk in a, in an adult fashion and just move on. So. Yeah, I'm get, guessing some uh, two-bit life coach told him the tossing a baseball thing makes him seem more powerful because you're not interesting or some shit like that. I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I'll flick a baseball or something in my, in my office too, but I'm not going to do it when I'm on video. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry. There is a professionalism, and when you have VP next to your title, you are held to a different standard. You know how I know that? I have VP on my freaking title for work. Ooh. I'm, I'm not trying to throw, I'm not trying to throw <laughs> shit out there, but like, there is a there is a fucking same team, Devin. Same team. I'm not yeah, but there is a fucking <laughs> expectation for that, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, and then there was a whole thing where at the last second they told us we could only have like one banner or something. That was the same yeah. thing on Wednesday. Yeah, okay. it was that we they thought because their fans only brought one banner to Austin. They were like, we're only letting you bring one banner where we put no – our front office has lots of flaws and other things, but mostly in charging people way too much money for tickets. But in looking at that reality that we did not re- – we did restrict them to eight instruments, which is was plenty generous. But there's a um, – there was no banner restriction. They just chose to only bring one. So we could only choose to bring one because they only brought one. Yeah, that was quality that, for everyone. Yeah. And that led to headaches galore on our side because we're having to like, oh, gosh, we have people working on banners. And now we have to do something we've never had to do, which is like take a quick vote and figure out how we're going to which one to bring. And it's got to be kind of collaborative between all the SGs. Like it's not as clean as and we had to do it on a quick turnaround, right? Because what I think people don't recognize too is we also have to submit everything we're going to bring to the other FO and it gets checked off as you go in. They inspect it. That includes polio. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, Alex, Lord Helmet, wanted to bring his helmet. That got rejected. Like it, it was wild. And It's a fake fucking helmet. Yeah. And, and it's over. And, and I think my thing is too, this is our fourth trip up to Frisco yeah, in three right. years. There's never been an issue. There's never been fights. There's never been people going out of line. It's just Frisco not liking the optics, quite frankly, of a large supporter group in their own state coming in and being louder, taking over stadium to a degree of noise and of energy that they don't like. And that's an optics thing that they do not want. We were told yeah, that we only have a banner. Audio. We, could, we were told we couldn't have a banner on the front of the section in the front over the rail there because of quote-unquote advertising. I looked last night. There wasn't any advertising down there. Charles, did you have uh, something you wanted to add? Oh, I was just going to say that, like, I mean, watching the, watching the match last night, the only fan support we heard was from Austin. 
And there was even a post in the Austin FC subreddit from a Dallas fan complimenting about how much louder we were than their supporter section. And you just have to think that like, there are no more excuses for that. This isn't, you know, this is presented by Apple TV. This isn't presented by, you know, our local club where there are allegations of like making the supporter section. Like the Austin fans are just louder than Frisco fans and they don't like that there's always a takeover there. And honestly, part of the Star Wars night was also that I think not just wanting to not let Austin celebrate the stadium and having an excuse for it, but also the prevalence of green and green characters with Star Wars also gives a handy excuse for why there was green everywhere. Hmm. I mean, this Second is a time the Dallas Stars like night a couple of years yeah, ago. Del- yeah, yeah, yeah Dallas Stars night. If, Stars night. If the Mavericks had had green as their main color again, they'd probably do a Mavericks night. Like it just, it's the links they go to to try to just to try to hide the reality of that stadium is really kind of mind-boggling instead of just trying to make the experience better. Yeah, but everybody knows. Uh, I mean, at least to me, it seems that way. But uh, yeah, so the fuckery started a long time ago. Um, But let's get back to the 90th minute. I took us on a little bit of a detour there. (laughs) And uh, Austin actually gets a chance to score a goal. Um, Nice ball worked through. Uh, good pass from Memo over to Gallagher. Takes a takes a nick. Goes off the crossbar. And I actually, I think if Gallagher doesn't hit this as absolutely clean and as hard as he does, it probably loops over Pice and goes in. But goes off the crossbar. Uh, I think we end up taking it to the corner after that. Yeah. Um, but that was pretty close. And that goal would have effectively killed off any sort of Copa Tejas competition because the draw would have gotten us the trophy, right? Yeah, correct. And at that point, like, if you score, it, they would have had maybe a minute to do a Hail Mary-ish type play, but, like, it would have been – that that would have effectively ended the game. And it would have taken three minutes to reset that because our fans were right in the corner where that was. Yeah, I think the only time I've ever seen somebody actually overtake that was – God, fuck me – Tottenham a couple of years ago uh, where they literally scored, like, two goals almost after all of the uh, added time had been added on. Like, bang, bang, they scored, reset, bang, scored again to beat Leicester. Um, But, yeah, there's no way Frisco is going to come out and do that. Um, So that was a little bit of a letdown. And then, basically, the ball gets cleared up the other end. We send it out for a throw-in. They toss the ball in. Guy sets up. Nobody challenges him. Flicks it in. Uh, Unmarked header. Like, it's not like he's just at the back post and taps it in. It's a very good header, uh, especially to get that amount of power on it. Um, you know, not much Stuber can do. He kind of gets a hand to it, I guess, but, um, yeah. And then, you know, we reset the ball, take one kick and the game's over. Um, so the guy who scored this, I don't remember, but was this the guy who did the poll about what color to dye his hair? Mm -hmm. That's correct. (laughs) Yes. Mm. The Twitter replies were Austin FC fans brigaded telling him to dye it verde. Yeah. He had a pretty amazing quote after the game, too. Yeah, he had a pretty amazing quote after the game, too, where it's basically like, uh, it's always nice to put Austin in the dirt because their fans talk so much. (laughs) And I was like, all right, that's fair. I I can't argue that. (laughs) Yeah, you score a last-second winner, you can shoot your mouth off a little bit, right? Yeah. Those are the rules. That's the game we play. Um, We'll kind of go into the actual play a little bit more and what kind of went wrong, but... Uh, I got the vibe after 
Gallagher didn't score on that shot that we kind of switched off a little bit and like we had to last like another 90 seconds. But like we would have almost been better off not having that chance. Did you guys get kind of the same vibe if we had just kind of like hoofed the ball around instead of almost scoring? We would have actually maybe pulled this one out or pulled out a draw. I don't know. Like I just don't trust. I've already said that once on this podcast. I just don't trust this team to park a bus. And like maybe we would have, but like it felt like in this after Danny got his red card, there would be Frisco to have the ball for like ninety seconds. They would get a half decent chance, and it would be an easy ball roll to Stuver. Like I knew they were going to get one more serious chance that he was going to have to Stuver's got to do something great to save because our D line just isn't that good. Like it's just not where it needs to be, and Julio completely missed time to jump there. Well, yeah, Brad, Charles, any feelings on kind of missing the chance leading to that goal? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a tough I think that's a tough correlation to make that they that they relate to each other. Besides that, it got Austin kind of just like out of the defensive mindset. Um, yeah, I'm, that's really I'm all I'm surprised. saying. I mean, I, and I and I get that. I I think they still had time to to get set and and be able to do it. And ultimately, it's just that. Um, Tafari, you know, he had a great header in the first half that got randomly blocked by somebody's body. And so it's not a surprise that he would be able to win a header in the box and score it, score it like that. And it was a great, um, really well taken chance. Um, it just goes back to questioning why bring Zardes on, because if Zardes is coming on for, for height and to be able to help on a set piece, why not bring on Leo or somebody else when, you know, one of their players can just win a header in the box and score. Yeah. And I mean, this is like a cross out of a throw in. So it's not like technically a set piece, but it might as well be uh, with the way we were set up back there. Um, Brad, give us some thoughts on the, uh, the game winning goal. Yeah. I mean, look, Julio got out jumped. Um, I thought it was largely, just one of those goals, right? Like, it, it sucks that it happened. Uh, I, I'm with you. I don't know that Stuber really could have done anything. Um, on the previous attack where we had a shot, I, I, <laughs> we'll get to that later when we're talking about our moments of suffering because I've got a funny little addendum to that. But I really wish we had stayed on the attack a little more. Um, I get the going to the corner flag and just trying to kill time. I know that's the, the conservative, logical move. But I think we had their back lines off enough to where you might still be able to find a goal. Um, so I, I wish we'd have stayed on the attack a little more there. But ultimately, you can't ask a team to defend down a man for 25 and 30 minutes like we did and not expect to get one up at some point. You just can't. No. Well, I mean, we had 67 minutes before then to try to score, too. Well, sure. But, you know, we've been doing that all year. We haven't really been scoring goals. So Yeah. Uh, just a little yeah. tongue-in-cheek uh, – you know, plenty of blame to go around for Danny, but it's not 100%. Um, yeah, one of the interesting stats from last night is that, according to the MLS app, zero chances were created in the entire game. <laughs> and, and it's funny because so so both of these coaches come from the Burhalter coaching tree. And if you look at um, the way the lineups are set up, they're actually mirror images of each other. They're both set up in that kind of like Burhalter ball, 4-3-3. And this was kind of a perfect bear halter match. Both teams like couldn't muster any creativity. They couldn't create chances. They both attempted to control the ball, but couldn't really do it. And ultimately it gets decided by some random luck. Yeah. It's sad the whole time. Like I think the only person who got joy from this match was Greg Berhalter. 
well up until the end. The first 96 minutes of the match. Yeah, and by then, like, he'd probably been edging so long that he probably didn't last that long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is an image I do not need. <laughs> Don't kink shame, Charles. I, I'm not kink shaming. I am going to kink ask why, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh all right all right fair enough fair enough um yeah so i think we make two huge mistakes on this goal um just to wash that image from everyone's head uh if you go back and play it we put absolutely no pressure on the ball which is basically at that state of the game unforgivable um if this goal comes out in like the 38th minute i might not say that but uh you know there's I think the throw-in happens with 15 seconds left. Uh, and so just go out and challenge it. Like, even if you delay the guy a minute uh, or a couple of seconds, that's another chance he has to find a different angle to send it in. Everything gets a little weirder. It helps. Uh, Julio, who got absolutely destroyed against St. Louis City. Um, he, I, I don't think he's getting to this and the jump either way, but he doesn't put anywhere near enough pressure or jump well enough to kind of put some pressure on and make him maybe alter his shot, not necessarily like uh, have as clean of a header, um, you know, cause you don't have to like perfectly block everything. Just put the guy off enough that maybe he loops under it a little bit more and Stuber can get there or uh, something along those lines. Uh, so I think kind of too big, just like mental tiny errors there. And we'd probably walk out of there with a trophy, but um, yeah. Any other thoughts from anyone on this? Uh, I was going to mention that I, I think generally one of the problems with Austin that I thought was a little bit better last night with Ring playing in midfield is that, you know, if, if, if you look at the league standings, Austin's at the bottom of the league for things like tackles and interceptions and blocks. And it, it's really, it's, it's, it's really interesting to watch how Austin never creates space on offense to be able to cross the ball or, or take shots on goal. But the other team, always has all of this time on the ball to pick out whatever pass they want to make and to make crosses in. And that's ultimately what makes players like Julio and other center backs look, look so much worse because they're having to deal with such, such better service. That is exactly where it needs to be. Yeah. And I've gone off on this a few times about, you know, Josh Wolf loves crosses so much, but you know, we never step out and, and cover people who are sending them in. Cause that's a lot easier way to defend it than when, you know, a ball's skidding through your six yard box. Well, it's also that when Austin crosses, like, it's a winger. It's almost never the winger crossing it because the winger almost always gets blocked. You know, Rigoni had three or four in the first half that just went out to corners. And the crosses only come in when it goes back to the fullback. And by that time, the defensive back line is looking at the cross the entire time. They are set. They are organized. And they are going to defend that 100 times out of 100. Like, that is the easiest thing that you could possibly do as an attacking team for the defense to handle and until Austin starts trying to get the ball behind and trying to get the defenders facing their own goal we're going to continue to see this kind of absolute suffering ah nice tie in there um no I agree and I think this is a a tactical thing that's been going on for three years uh as long as the team's been around um obviously we give them a little more a little more grace in year one because we're playing with kind of a ragtag roster and there wasn't a ton of practice time leading into the season with covid so that one's a little more forgivable but like this feels like somebody did this played one really good game of fifa doing this strategy 
and thought it would work forever and it clearly doesn't um but yeah i don't know i don't know uh all is not lost on copa tejas though seth you want to give us our uh rundown on how we win yeah, so how we win is we need a draw. So um, Dallas goes to Houston on um, Saturday, September 30th, and the trophy will be there. If Dallas wins, they win the trophy. If Houston wins, they win the trophy. And if they draw, we win the trophy. I can't remember. A t- I'm sure there have been other soccer cups where that has happened, but it's a pretty um, funny outcome set to happen. We'll be in Colorado that night. We're actually going to have a bunch of fans over there, but I have to imagine a few folks at Verde might be able to find some empty seats at the lovely Shell Energy Stadium and see what happens. And hopefully they will draw, which is ultimately good for us. Like at this point, I'm going to keep making this point. We want every game between two Western teams that doesn't involve Colorado to be draws at this point until otherwise. Like just keep this isn't League's Cup. You don't get a point for winning a PK shootout at the end of this. We want as few points in the West as possible for chaos. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, the chaos, even non-Austin fans should be rooting for that draw, uh, or at least for that game state going into the end of the game. Um, so that'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, I wonder if Frisco will be allowed to celebrate on the field if they end up winning that game. Yeah, no, I'll be curious with the um, extensive security um, house. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Abateon will respond really well to that. <laughs> yeah. Here's what's know. interesting, too, because Seth just mentioned we're going to be in Colorado. Our fans will know by halftime the result yep. of our own game. Yep. Of COVID. Well, 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 weather permitting and all of that stuff, but yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll uh, – I'm not going to go out to Colorado. Maybe I'll – I'm definitely petty enough to to buy a drone and ask uh, Houston if I can fly it around uh, so they can not let somebody celebrate after the game. We'll see. Uh, I'll buy season tickets next year, guys, if you guys let me do this. Hey, speaking um, of this, this is this is kind of a slight tangent, but pretty hilarious. I found out this week that if you add on an extra ticket, if you buy a fire season ticket for 2024, you also get this year's Inter-Miami game in October included with your season ticket. And they have sold over a thousand new season tickets for <laughs> next season just based on getting two Inter-Miami games included with that. That's pretty solid marketing on their part. For the team that has the lowest attendance in the league that you know that you just sold another like 18,000 tickets is pretty darn remarkable. Yeah, that's handy. Uh, Hey, got to give it to them. The DeAndre Yedlin effect strikes again. Yeah, it is. I will say the Dynamo's night, um, it is not a drone night, but it is um, Hispanic Heritage Night, and we will have a uh, one of the one of the Native American casinos is sponsoring Hispanic hair. I don't know. I, I give up. I give up. Don't think about it too much. You'll hurt yourself. <laughs> uh, it's it's Houston land. It's Frisco land. But all right, we're not dead. Um, we're still, as of this second, in a playoff spot. Uh, the question on everyone's mind is how long are we going to keep doing this? Uh, we did an entire episode on Wolf In, Wolf Out. A lot of things have gone on since then. Um, Brad, where do you sit today on Joshua? Same place I've been for a while, Wolf Out. Um, I thought last night was an egregious error in managerial judgment. Um, the one thing we really haven't talked about is leaving Danny in after that second yellow card. Or before, after that first yellow card, sorry. 
I, I'm um, gonna I'm gonna push back on you with a really key piece of information of why I think Josh Wolf was right on this. Danny okay. had just picked up his uh, fifth yellow. Danny's suspended for Wednesday against Seattle, no matter what. Why not leave him out there when you know he can't play on Wednesday? Because that doesn't help you tonight when you're battling for every point known to man. And that you think it helps race? you to have Valencia out there for uh, 120 minutes in a row? I mean, like, I actually think Wolf made the right decision there. Danny's just I, an idiot. I, I'm not because the we we know Danny's propensity to um have a double yellow. He's done it like I early I said earlier earlier in the show. He's done it four times now in yeah, our uniforms. Yeah. Um, so you got to know your players a little better. Ring was doing just fine in the midfield. There was no reason to pull him out. He hadn't had a yellow. You have Valencia in there that you can bring in for the last 20, 30 minutes of the game. Just be smarter with your man management, and we probably come out of there with a point last night instead of having to play down a man for the final 25, 30 minutes of the game. So it's just a consistent pattern for me with Wolf. And also our attack sucked for the first 60 minutes, too, before we went down. Um, I know we played with a false nine last night, whatever you want to say. It wasn't great, y'all. Um, and it's just more of the same stuff. So I'm just, I'm not seeing the life that I want to see out of this team. I'm not seeing any real tactical changes or flexibility. Um, I, I think there, a voice, a new voice needs to be heard in that locker room. And if you listen to the spaces last night and I, uh, on, we are us on TV and I know Seth, you, you said you went to bed or you turned off the internet, at least two individual people said that players came up to them after the game in the parking lot while they were out there waiting and apparently said the words, you can blame this one on Wolf. Now they wouldn't name the players, obviously, but that's interesting if that got sent. I wonder too, on the Danny point, uh, do we know if ring can play 90 right now? I don't think we do. I don't think ring is really, he hasn't played 90 yet since coming back. Also, maybe you guys know, cause I, I did some brief search here. I couldn't find what has happened to Shafal. He was hurt for a little bit, but I haven't seen anything about it for a while. I haven't seen him listed on injury report. He hasn't made a 20. He hasn't been on FC toe. Like what's going on? I don't know, but he, uh, he used to come to almost every single FC toe match and I didn't see him on Friday. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, FCTO, I was w- hoping to to cleanse all of the giant terrible shit going on around the the club, and then they managed to lose two to one uh, to my arch rivals in, uh, well, I guess Sporting KC's in Missouri, so it's not a, or uh, Sporting KC twos in Missouri, so it's not. No, a, they're, no, they're not. They play in lovely Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, I thought they moved back to Swope Park. Uh, we played them in Lawrence earlier this year. Okay, that's what I thought. My internet but- sleuths uh, let me down. Yeah, well, they they, they play horse. Like it's <laughs> it's just it's very weird to be how I mean, heck, we've played MLS Next Pro doesn't really care about their normal venues. That's what we know for sure. But yeah, little digression there. Uh, Charles Wolf in Wolf out. Uh, I'm still Wolf out. Uh, I also don't think he should be fired before the end of the season. And I know that's kind of a, a weird dichotomy, but let me explain. If we are going to be subjected to watching this boring, shitty soccer that he has built and coaches, he should have to watch it too. <laughs> and two, the more matches on his resume throughout the rest of the season is going to 
help another fan base. And the reason it's going to help another fan base, and I don't know which one, is that out there somewhere, some front office person, after he gets fired, will be like, hey, you know what? He had a really good year in Austin. Maybe we should hire him. And the more evidence we have now that he's a bad coach means that he won't get another head coaching job and another fan base won't be subjected to having to watch this show. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, it's bad for the league, too, right? To play this, like, boring, shitty soccer, as you called it. Yeah, um, exactly. It's not It's honest- not a good, good example to set. And, you know, it's part of why there's a lot of fans who, after our Austin's experiences with dealing with the U.S. national team, it, um, uh, former U.S. national team players and, and people involved in USSF, that we're really happy that our new sporting director isn't involved in that at all. Yeah, and um, I think I've mentioned this. It might have been on a side episode, not on a main podcast. I sort of have a, if you are in any way connected to U.S. Soccer Federation, I want you nowhere fucking near this club rule. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I've evolved to your position where if you had asked me in like June, I would have said Firewolf now. And I'm kind of here where like, unless you can, sh- like the guy you want is like ready to go now and you can give him a little work. Or you think, like, actually having Wolf is going to, like, long-term damage some of the players. What do you have to lose? Just fire him at the end of the year? Uh, yeah, like, it's going to be close enough that, like, I think we are all in agreement. If this team does not make the playoffs, that Josh Wolf should be fired before the plane lands from San Jose back to Austin on decision day. No, he can get his own fucking ride. Fuck him. Yeah, no. Let's just no. Let's just go full Lane Kiffin and leave him on the tarmac. Yeah, uh, it's fine. See, I, I'm going the other way. I think he should keep his job until we know he's at HEB, and then he gets fired at HEB. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, the extraordinary pettiness. You win. <laughs> he seems too bougie to shop at HEB for me, though. No, I mean Central he, Market, same difference there. But he gets just gets a call from Roto, like, "Hey, Tom Bogert got this. This is gonna go to." <laughs> Uh, all right we i'm gonna submit that to my uh my front office guy if we end up missing the playoffs um i do not want to go down to decision day deciding if we're getting a playoff spot although i feel like that's almost an mls rite of passage now so this is probably the year to do it if we're going to uh Uh, our decision day is at san jose yeah i know i have a i have a flight bought out to san jose uh, we'll know with two weeks to go pretty much where we at, where we're at if I actually am going to take that flight because I don't think I could humanly watch that game on TV not being in the stadium even if I know it's going to end poorly. Uh, no, that might be. Uh, I'm I'm going to watch this one uh, in a sealed off room or like maybe keep the dogs away because uh, I'm going to be making loud noises and I don't want to scare them. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I will not be. And like it's actually a very civilized. 6 p.m. local time kickoff. And it's a nice stadium, but we'll see how it goes. Nice. Uh, Seth, wolf in or wolf out? I am I am wolf in at the very moment. I, I said in a semi-public forum that if we got if we lost yesterday like we had lost uh, to City, um, that I would have been wolf out like ASAP. I mean, it was not good, but it was fine enough. At this point, I don't think the marginal returns of having a caretaker manager. There's a lot of rumors. You get these new manager bounces, and yeah, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Portland fired uh, Gio Savarese last week, and they managed to lose a derby match at home to Vancouver um, last night. 
Um, obviously, still small sample sizes here, but the Red Bulls fired their manager, haven't looked marginally better. Fire are playing exactly like we are after having fired a manager this year. Like, it doesn't seem like there has been, at least in MLS this year, this magic story of we got rid of our manager and suddenly things turned around. We have a chance to turn things around there. But um, this team needs to make it ideally a top seven finish and a respectable round of three to the to get there, but if we if we miss the playoffs, Wolf needs to be out. And if we if somehow we miss the playoffs and Wolf is not out, this is going to be the most militantly painful off season that any of us have been through. And I'm not going to say any sport because I, I know Brad, what you've had to deal with with Auburn football this past year is worse in a different way. But it is still like, ooh, I don't I don't want to be there for that place. No, that would be. Uh... I don't know. You could argue that might end up being like actually long-term, not quite fatal, but like very, very bad for the club, um, both yeah. business and on the field side. A uh, little bit on new manager bounces. I've actually done a fair bit of reading on this because uh, Arsenal tends to always pick up the team that had just fired their manager. Yeah. Uh, last year, lost Everton, who had just fired everybody's favorite, Sean fucking Dyche. Uh, who just hired Sean Dyche lost to him. But um, essentially it's like there's sort of one maybe for over like three to five games. But if we fire Josh Wolf like tomorrow at HEB, um, the playoffs are in two months. So like maybe we make the playoffs, but you're not going to have a new manager by then. Um, so like the effect is like eh, kind of sometimes not, you know, a hard correlation because obviously, you know, you fire a coach, they're probably the shitty team, right? Um so the whole miracle thing like happens, but it's over very short stretches of time and doesn't actually tend to like bode well for, you know, unless you bring in Tata Martino and Lionel Messi and Sergi Busquets and Jordi Alba at once, right? Uh, that's a little bit of a different story. But I guess going forward, so like let's assume, you know, we finish ninth, we don't win Copa Tejas, we go out early in all the cups. Um, you know, let's even say we win that play-in game but lose in the first round. Uh, Seth, are you going to be wolf out then? If we lose in the first round, depends on how we lose in the first round. If we lose it, remember it's the best of three first round. Well, yeah. if we lose in the play in round, I am wolf out. If we lose in the first round to city, like 12, six on aggregate or something. Um, yeah, I'm wolf out. If we like lose a nail biter in PKs to LAFC, I'm probably, eh, he probably gets another year on this. Like, there's there's some nuance there. Are you saying, like, you think he'll get another year or you would give him another year? Oh, I, I wouldn't give him another year at this point. He has to, in my mind, he has to make it. Because the way the MLS playoffs are split this year is you have playing game, and then you have the first round, and then you have an international break in the final three rounds. Ideally, at this point, with what we have seen this year, we need to get to the conference semis for me to see him be Wilfred. I'm trying to also use this from the lens of management. We would have to be missed. We have to be embarrassed for him to lose his job with two years left on the contract. Okay. Um, and I think like for all of us, there's a little bit of that niche too, right? So uh, let's say the results kind of keep going. Nah, you know, we get the sort of like limp into the playoffs, but like, we start playing this like, emer- you know, amazing swashbuckling gig and press football that's like thrilling to watch, and you know you can't get enough of it every second. Okay, maybe we revisit this, but um, I don't see that happening ever. Uh, 
based on a long, long pedigree of Josh Wolf, U.S. soccer, Greg Berhalter. But uh, I mean, it's not a, a Josh Wolf thing for me. It's a it's an on the field thing. I know some people don't like Josh Wolf personally. Uh, I don't care, but he is looking a little more ragged. So I wonder if that's pressure on his job. Uh, do we think, you know, we heard some rumblings that Roto and the management weren't happy uh, after League's Cup, after the early exit. But uh, Brad, I'll let you go first. Do you think Josh is starting to feel the heat a little bit? Yeah, I think for the first time he is since he's been in this job. Um, obviously, year one was a pass, as it should have been. Last year was a lot of good vibes. And I think it's, it was a great season. But at the same time, we have to remember how often we came back from two down. And we sometimes just forget. Uh, it, there's arguments all the, all the time out there. Well, this is a guy that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah, he almost he also probably should have gotten knocked out in round one at home. Um, yeah, I've been running victory laps on that one because we said that after the first game of this season. Yeah. Uh, and like I had been saying it all off season, but like people are now kind of returning to that argument. And I'm like, oh, we did this in February. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I think he's finally Roto. I, I don't, no matter what is being said in the public, I don't believe Wolf is Roto's boy. I, I don't see that. I don't buy it. I think it's just Roto playing the management game that he has to play. Um, and I think Wolf probably knows that. And with that comes extra stress. And if what is being rumored out there by some of our folks is accurate, that the locker room's not happy, easiest person to replace out of everybody out there is, is him. And he knows that. And the team has not been playing to the standard that is being demanded of this fan base. And, you know, Josh Wolf's a longtime MLS guy, but I don't think he's ever been in a place with this kind of pressure. Because our fan base does put more pressure on the team and on coaches in the front office, probably than others do in this league for the most part, uh, because of the passion that is here. Uh, I think if he's in Frisco or if he's in Chicago or wherever, it's fine. Nobody's going to really care. This is just a different animal here. And that adds to it. And you can see it on his face. I'm with you. You can actually see it when you see him talking. And um, honestly, he just looks a little more haggard than usual lately. Yeah, like he's losing sleep for a little bit. And uh, I kind of went with you two when all these quotes from Roto came out where he was like, oh, I wouldn't have taken this job with if Josh Wolf wasn't here. And I was just like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, you may like him and like like the system, but there is no way you went, I will only take an MLS job if Josh Wolf is the coach. So that would kind of set off alarm bells for me for like, you're overdoing this to the point that I know you're full of shit. Yeah, we. I love our fans, don't get me wrong, but we have a lot of folks who are a little naive, and it's, if it's not said in the press, then they don't believe it. It's whatever's out there is gospel. And it's like, y'all, you, you followed sports before, right? Like, stuff gets said in front of the camera that's not actually accurate. The, if you're a college football fan, the dreaded vote of confidence is a real thing. Yes, like it's literally <laughs> a meme. Yeah. Uh, hey, this um, coach has my vote of confidence, and six days later, they're not the coach anymore. Nick Saban that, would never that, leave the Miami Dolphins. Uh, all sorts of stuff. Tommy like Tuberville is leading Ole Miss um, in a pine box. Three days later, he was yeah. at Auburn. Like this shit happens. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, what well, I mean, the other side of that too is, you know, people get mad about you know Josh Wolf not really answering questions in press conferences. It's like, yeah, okay, that's like kind of how this works. Um, I get it's frustrating, but it sort of like goes with the territory. Um, Charles, how are you feeling about uh, is Wolf on the hot seat? I think he's definitely on the hot seat. I 
I think the only way he doesn't come back next year is if they don't make the playoffs. I think they will absolutely be, I think the front office will absolutely say, oh, well, we were still a playoff team and just kind of like run it back. Um, for the press conferences, I don't, I don't mind that he doesn't say anything in press conferences. I mind that his, his nothing coach speak is the same every week. Like I actually, it, sometimes it feels like they could just do that scene in Real Genius where the professor tapes a lecture and puts it in the front of the hallway or puts it in the front of the lecture hall and then everybody else is like tape recorders around because you don't actually need to like have new questions or um, or new answers because they're just going to be the same every week. Um, you know, and, and looking at it from, from my perspective, I, I don't think Wolf's the guy. I think he's a, a an average or a below average coach. Um, but I think the front office, you know, they made a decision last season after 11 games to give him a, uh, an extension. And I think barring, barring not making the playoffs, he's back next year, no matter what happens with the fans or what happens in Q2. Like, I don't think that's going to be part of the consideration for the front office. So here's the one, one thing I'd push back on. If, I, if we make the playoffs, he stays. What if we make the playoffs as an eight seed and lose at home? Does that change well, the calculus? No, like, I, I think that would be too embarrassing, especially yeah, I, I, if I it's too. a team like Dallas or Houston. Yeah. Oh, you mean, I, I, think lose, that, I think that changes the calculus. You mean lose the playoff? Lose, lose the playing game? Yeah, yeah. lose yeah, the playing play play game. game. I mean, I think, it, I mean, I guess some of you are probably more NBA fans than I am, but, like, do teams that lose in the 7-10 whatever scheme that we now have in the NBA, like, do those teams consider that they actually made the playoffs or not? I think See, I would count baseball. that as not making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah but, like, I, I, guess, but I mean, like in baseball, you make the postseason when you make the play-in game, right? Yep. So, yeah, but, but, yeah. but they've gotten rid of the play-in game in baseball, like yeah, with right. the expanded playoffs. Like I was looking this up because I was looking up Reds tiebreakers with the Diamondbacks. Is why today's <laughs> game matters a lot. But like they've actually gotten rid of the play-in <laughs> game now. They've expanded it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go on a little side rant here. By the way, uh, if you win a play-in game in the NCAA tournament as like a 16 against a 16, you don't have an NCAA tournament win on your resume. It's fucking bullshit. The NCAA needs to quit counting those. Um, thank you for coming to my <laughs> but, TED but, talk. But, 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 but at the same time, you get to a world where I think I was making this point to someone in the last few days that there's always a team, especially in that 11 versus 11 game or 12 versus 12 game, that they'll go to the first four and then they'll make a Sweet 16 Elite Eight run. I mean, George Mason made a run to the Final Four. I mean, you've had like weird VCU things. Like, did just, too, yeah. 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 Like you, so, you get, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's its own world. I mean, you had what in College World Series? You had Ole Miss be the last team into the tournament and then win the whole Want thing it. a couple of years ago. Like, it is a like funny things happen. If we're gonna sidebar the NCAA tournament, my TED talk is: I'm sorry, but those play-in games should quote unquote all be for at-large teams. None of the teams that automatically qualify should have to play in those. Yes, yeah, I agree. Um, but we do have we do have a little underdog precedent. Uh, in soccer, since we're talking about this, uh, Denmark, I believe is 92 euros, uh, actually made the tournament because somebody else got kicked out on, I think, like a political technicality. Last team in, uh, only got in that way and ended up uh, winning the whole tournament. So, so here, here's something I think Seth would probably know because I don't have that. I don't have enough knowledge on it. But what, who's the lowest seed to ever win Liga MX? The because, lowest seed to win Liga MX. I would have to go through that. Um, because it's it, like 12, 12 teams get in, right? No, but like, so that form, like Liga MX changes their playoff format more than MLS does, which oh, is wow. like, it has been eight teams. It has sometimes been single leg. Sometimes it has been double leg. I mean, even the whole two seasons format was only introduced in the late 90s. 
Like, Liga MX is like, oh, this game got high ratings. Let's figure out how we can replicate it. Like, okay. like Liga MX, like, I, I can pull up some stats on it, but it, it's really weird. Like, it's just like, you do have a large sample size because of the double playoffs. But yeah, the, there's only been like, I think like six of them. I mean, it was a COVID thing to introduce nine through 12 making the playoffs. Got it. All righty. Um, anybody feeling good if we make the playoffs? No. 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 I mean, like, we're at just don't embarrass yourselves, right? But it's also like yeah. the point I was making earlier is that like LAFC at home is good. No one else in the West is good. I'm watching Minnesota Seattle right now. Seattle just put up a pretty goal. And Seattle has moments where they look good. And then they have moments where they have no clue what's going on. Well, okay, yeah, doesn't it say more about us, though, than, like, you know, we went out to LAFC and lost. You said they're good at home. But, like, we just got fucking murked by St. Louis a week ago. If they're yeah, and then St. Good, Louis, it, it's St. Louis. Then what the fuck are we? To, <laughs> went down to Orlando. Like, but, like, this, this league makes no sense. And that is the overwhelming paradigm of all this stuff. Is yeah, that, like, it's, it's just as likely we come out and win 3 nothing on Wednesday night in this league. I, I know where you're going with that. I get it. And the other thing I think you have to keep in mind with this first round best of three – Remember, it goes straight to PKs if you're tied after 90. So and they're playing we, PKs in every game. Yeah. So if we go to if we go if we're tied after 90 and we go to PKs, eh, it's kind of a it becomes a little more of a coin flip, right? If you could somehow figure out this stupid on the road. Oh, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. But it's also like okay, there's a chance that you can. That's where the upset can be pulled is if you can figure out a way to get a draw on the road and win in PKs. All right. As is my want to do on this show, I'm going to raid on your fucking parade here. Uh, we can't score any goals and we can't keep a Frisco team without Jesus Ferreira out of the net. So I, I, how do we get to PKs? Yeah, I, I was looking at this. I was looking at the last time Austin beat a like full strength playoff team. And I think at best it's Seattle. And even yeah. then Seattle was missing some guys. And so I really think you, we might have to go all the way back to like, March 11th. And even that RSL team wasn't... Uh, but then RSL doesn't look good right now, even with Chichar on Ho up top. Like, so, there's, but then yeah, I'll, I'll ask you, when was the last time somebody beat Austin at full strength? I mean, I, I, I would consider that Austin's not been full strength all year. Yeah. Because I, I don't... Because I, 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 I think I think of Coleman is just a starting left back. So I think we're automatically yeah. we're already out of starter. I, I just think... I, I think the West playoffs might be, especially the first round with all the PKs, is going to be nuts. And I really do think that a team could just get hot for a week or two and run all the way to the to the conference finals. I don't see Austin having that kind of upside, but I don't think that like we can just discount that like Drew C might just go off. Yeah, I mean we do have that kind of ace in the hole there. Yeah, yeah, and, well, and yeah also, like, like, Leo, if Leo could stay if, healthy. If we have three legitimate center backs, like this is a different conversation. Josh isn't going to play three center backs. You don't uh, know that. I mean, I have a good guess, but um... I mean, he he he's done that without three legitimate center backs this year. That's, let's, that's let's... true. He's um... done that with no center backs. This year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fuck it. I don't know. You're right. Um, I believe I did see the stat floating around. This is the twenty fourth different lineup in twenty five matches we've had this year. Yep, yep, and I, and I fully suspect that we'll have a 25th different lineup in 26 matches on Wednesday. Yeah, especially with Danny out. Um, yeah. 
So is he still, I guess I should ask this. So this is that weird, he's suspended because of the red card, so he only gets suspended if he picks up another yellow again? He's not suspended for two games thing? That's a good question. I'll have to look at the disciplinary report. And That's I how this know. worked last year, because I went down a huge rabbit hole about it. I th- I think you're, I don't think the rules have changed since last year, but MLS so shrug. Okay, so yeah, he would be suspended, and then if he gets another, um, he's uh, suspended from the yellows, but he's just suspended from the red for now. But um, one other little thing I want to get to before we kind of do all the stock rising fun stuff. Uh, Matt Hedges wore a Frisco jersey off the field. I kind of missed this whole thing, but just saw it right before we were logging on. Uh, does anybody know like the whole controversy here? What happened? Kind of want to lay it out for us. Oh, I got Twitter fights all night last night on this one. Go for it, Brett. <laughs> uh, all right. So as you well know, Hedges played for Dallas for what, nine years, nine seasons? Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's the right time. number. Um, went to Toronto in the off season and then wasn't working out in Toronto. He asked for a trade back, was really happy to get back into Texas. So after the game, he did a jersey swap, and apparently somebody took video of him wearing the jersey off the field. A lot of Austin folks in the heat of the moment are were not happy about it. Just to clarify, uh, wearing the jersey exiting the field, not like correct. he was off the field and wearing it. Correct, which my first question, and Charles, you and I had the same thought, which is, that's gross. Dude's been sweating in it all night. Like, that's just disgusting. <laughs> um, but I don't – we had a lot of folks who were seemingly pissed off and offended, and, like, I – Hedges out of the club, all this kind of stuff because he wore a jersey. Y'all, when the 90 minutes are over, I don't care. Like, that's 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 my stance on this, is I didn't see anything out of Hedges last night that wasn't full effort and busting his ass. And if you listened, if you if you have Phil West's Substack, the post-game interview, Hedges actually stepped up for the post-game interview last night um, on behalf of the team, and he sounded really dejected uh, about the way the result came out. So I'm more concerned about the actions on the field than I'm about somebody doing a player swap and him wearing a jersey off the field for a team that he played for for nine years. Nine years. And I know everybody's saying, well, this is a rivalry match. Well, it's year three. And I saw a tweet out there today from Mike Crugnola from uh, Swoon Tower. And he goes, I don't know that we really understand who our rivals are yet because it's year three. And I'm, I'm with him. Like, personally – I still hate San Jose more than any team in this league because of all the bullshit from year one. So, and, and honestly, St. Louis quickly getting up there because of Jared Stroud. Um, I can't fucking stand Nashville. Yeah. Nashville doesn't really bother me, I guess. I don't know. They don't, they don't bug me for whatever reason. Well, um, I think you also have, you have multiple types of rivalries that yeah. I think it's important yeah. to break this down. You have on the, where I think Brad, you were just really making the emphasis. Like, St. Louis and the um, San Jose ones are very much on the pitch rivalries. Yeah. We have off the pitch rivalries with, I mean, there is an on the pitch rivalry with that. I mean, what Jesus Ferreira did at Q2 is still unacceptable. It's stupid and unacceptable, but like there is a rivalry there, but like we still have, this is to use the stupid cliche of the hundred year war. Like, yeah, we are still figuring these things out. Cause like, and you know what is great for creating rivalries, three game playoff series. Yeah. Like, yeah, there is. If we go to a game three against anyone in this league, that no matter who it is, even if we think that we had, even if it's like Minnesota, who I try to think of a team that we have like no real. I mean, yeah, Devin might not like Michael Boxall, but like there's a like 
nothing like no huge ill will. Like I was hanging out with a ton of Minnesota fans down under at the Women's World Cup. I work with their travel team all the time. They're great. And but it's like if we played three games against them, we would hate their guts by the end of it. Well, yeah, and that's me yeah, not see, liking one player because he's a fucking goon. Not like <laughs> I hate Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, to me, Dallas is our only rival because they're the only team we've played in matches that matter multiple times. And I think that's the only way you can build a rivalry, which is why the, the three-game playoffs is such a good idea, um, uh, as much as, like, as a soccer purist, it's bad. But going back to the initial question of Hedges, I really don't give a shit what jersey some dude born in Rochester, New York, who is on his third team in two years, wears when he walks off the pitch. Like, we need to, this is not somebody who, like, came up through Austin's Academy and blah, blah, blah. Like, he's just a player. He's a veteran. He's been traded twice in, like, in, like, less than a year. At some point, you just have to acknowledge that some of the players are, well, let me rephrase. All of the players are professionals, and they're going to play for whatever team owns their contract. And it doesn't really matter to, to them, like, what the shirt is. It only matters to us as fans. Yeah, um, I thought he was from Carmel, Indiana, for some reason. But uh, I know they said Rochester, at least born in Rochester, on the the broadcast yeah. last night. Doesn't matter. He's and, not uh, from like Austin. Yeah, I, I go F- back. FB Rep has him as Rochester, so that's why I'm. On. I, I spent okay. a lot of time around high level athletes. I've traveled in all kinds of now, never the MLS level, right? I get that, but I've I've been in locker rooms when guys have lost their jobs and been cut, and I've I've seen. I've hell, I called a brawl that you could find on YouTube that was. Oh, more heated damn rivalry than this soccer match was last night. Like, literally, we had the cops called on us <laughs> and held up our bus after the game um, because it got that bad. And then it nearly spun out again a couple of months later. Players and coaches tend to move past this stuff so much faster. And once the game is over, they have a way to compartmentalize that, okay, game's over. Yes, it sucks. Yes, I'm pissed that we lost. And I guarantee you the, the bus ride home last night was – silent that i can absolutely guarantee um but you got to remember those guys have to be at work the next day so if they can't compartmentalize that and just move on faster then they're not going to be able to perform in the future and i think sometimes we as fans especially don't understand that and that's that's why i it just really doesn't bother me and it never will yeah and think about this like two years ago matt hedges is captaining frisco and he's like Fuck Austin, da, 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 and saying all this shit in the press, and like he ends up at Austin. Yeah. Uh, that's gonna be fucking awkward. And like that stuff happens, but you know, like you said, especially in North American sports where you know you have a lot less say in where you end up. Um, I think this sort of stuff happens. Like Hedges probably should be smarter and not wear it off the field, but like I ultimately don't give a shit either. Um, Seth, any thoughts? I mean, I, I think I, mean, I will say like we are four white guys talking on this podcast. And I think that especially if we looked at who was getting most upset about it, like if you did that in Liga Mekis or in certain Latin American leagues, like the reaction is just really different. And I think to the four of us, we sort of do the shrug our shoulders, whatever, but we're not representative of this entire fan base. And I think to others, it matters a lot more. And we just have to recognize that reality at the same time that like I, to me, I care less about this, but to other people, like that matters a lot more and trying to understand that our culture is different than the culture that is in Frisco. And that's a lesson for him to learn. And that's okay. Right now, the only thing I want to see him do is I want to see him um, help, help our team get a clean sheet on Wednesday night and go from there. Yeah. 
Uh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. That's definitely uh, a lot more um, poignant than, oh, I don't know, we're a bunch of white guys. We don't really care. <laughs> no, I got, I got chastised last night for not understanding world culture, and that's fine. I, I'll, I'll, I'll wear, I'll wear that. But for me, I, I also think there are certain things about soccer culture, no matter where you are, that we can improve upon. And that's an overreaction to something. To me, it's an overreaction and it leads to some of the bullshit that we hate about this game off the field in the stands um, that we have to, <laughs> we, we don't want to see people fighting and throwing punches, but it's stuff like that, that ends up spilling over when it shouldn't. And so that's where I'm just like, can we all just grow up a little? That's, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, we could do an entire podcast on this entire thing. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go ahead and lock this one up right there, just Fair. as a moderator's prerogative. Um, you guys want to do stock falling, stock rising? Definitely Freudian slip there that I set him in that order. Um, <laughs> Seth, stock rising, who you got, if anyone? Um, I'll... I mean, I'll give uh, Memo. I mean, Memo looked because re- we didn't do a podcast after the city match. Like, I think we had really low expectations upon getting him. Um, he, I was surprised to see him get the start in St. Louis last Sunday night, but he looked pretty solid there. He hasn't quite connected with everything there yet, but he had a great ball into Gallagher that Gallagher could have finished there. Um, I mean, it would have been a difficult goal. It was a low, low, low XG opportunity, but like Memo's looked like a solid player who is gonna um, also probably be the. Um, Final nail in the co- Ronnie Rennes' coffin in Austin FC colors. Yeah, and I guess I'll go ahead and say this too. Like, basically back to, like, League's Cup, St. Louis City, this game. Um, feel free to include any of those in your stocks, rising, falling, um, whatever you want to do. Um, but, yeah, he's been a, a pleasant surprise. I mean, I think, you know, in the age of the internet, this always happens. But plenty of people are like, oh, he's so good. It's like, he's fine. You know, he's done pretty well in two games. Uh, started one of them. Uh, you know, there's kind of the like, oh, we traded Diego for a no one, and then he shows up and he's not a no one. Um, you know, he's not like, you know, Lionel Messi, but, uh, you know, it, it's nice to see somebody seems to have a good grasp of the game, can pass the ball, um, has some moves on the outside. So, uh, yeah, give him a fair shake, and I think he's been doing well so far. Yep. No, I'm pleased with where he's at. And you know what? P- soccer fans on the internet over or underreacting to things, never heard that before. <laughs> uh, as I frequently mention, Arsenal Twitter is the worst place on the internet. There were people that wanted Mikel Arteta fired on Saturday. Like that, it's fucking insane. <laughs> and like, not haha joking, like serious about it. Uh, Charles, how about your stock rising? Uh, my stock rising is the concept of having a striker. Um, yes, we've seen. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we've seen again that. Uh, trying to play a false nine as much as you know we are pro- i am pro false nine um uh, uh. doesn't work with the system uh it comes the ultimately it, it causes us to to lose any concept of verticality or be able to push the defense back and last night really reminded me a lot of kind of like the dark days in 2021 of uh cecilio dominguez as like playing up front and just kind of flopping around and trying to get a foul because that was the only way we could relieve pressure um, so I think we see why, you know, Austin needs to invest in a, in a striker who can, who can be out there and push the line back to create some space. Yeah, uh, good call. And the past kind of few games, plus in the League's Cup, I think has, has gotten a little flashbacky for some of us to 2021. So uh, hopefully we cut that shit out soon. And I mean, obviously some of it's availability, but 
um, kind of did that to ourselves. So, um, Brad, stock rising. My stock rising is a guy that we have yet to see on the first team. Uh, well, I guess we have for five minutes. Uh, CJ Fudge. Uh, he apparently scored a goal against New York in the closed door friendly during the break, or while we were off for twenty some odd days. He's made the uh, first team squad the last couple of games and traveling. I think we're going to start seeing him more. I actually think we'll probably see a little more of him on Wednesday night on a short week. Um, some fresh legs could probably do us some good. And uh, I, I think he's got an opportunity to solidify uh, fighting for a starting spot next year over these last few weeks. Yeah, and I've kind of been a, hey, this season's lost, throw him in, see what he can do, advocate. Uh, it's not like we have anybody like lighting the world on fire in uh, on that left wing spot, or I mean, he can play both sides, but um, that's typically where they've been sticking him for FC toe. So uh, yeah, it gives Memo some minutes. That's fine. But um, you know, chuck him in there, especially when we have these multiple game weeks. Um, Cause you learn by doing, especially, you know, um, those kind of players, you know, you play college, you play MLS next pro, like you see how fast and hard pro is by playing it. Um, that's why you see players get loaned out. So uh, good shout on that one. Uh, I'm going to go with Mr. Alex Ring because for a while, Charles kind of talked about this uh, quite a bit. We actually looked like we had a halfway decent midfield. We had Owen pushed up a little bit higher. Ring was recovering the ball. We had some actual defensive actions out of the midfield. Um, and it's nice to just have a you know standard leadership guy parked in the middle. Um those have been hot commodities across Europe this year. And you kind of see why, where it's just calming and everybody seems to uh, at least feel a little bit better. But um, any other thoughts on any of those from anyone? No, I'm clean. Cool. All right. Let's do the fun ones. Uh, stock falling. I'll have Brad go first. Is there a way you can say everyone? <laughs> 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 well, you just named a stock rising, so it can't be everyone. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you named a stock was... rising of a person who has not appeared on the pitch in the last two matches. So he yeah, it was kind of default. It was really a default. Um, yeah, I guess Danny. That was probably mine because he wasn't great in St. Louis. And then last night, obviously, was what it was last night. Um, we just got it. He's been amazing all year long. But – he's got to still learn how to control some of that aggressiveness um, because often gets in yellow card trouble. And last night, the double yellow put us into a red that ultimately I think ended up being the key cause to us losing our to us losing a game that was winnable um, or at least drawable. And you can only fight so long down a man before you're going to crack. That's just is what it is. We've seen that twice now this season and it bit us in the butt again. Yeah. And I'm going to speak heresies here, but I think especially if Wolf is hanging around, Danny needs to get the fuck out of Austin for his own career. Um, Cause he looks when he does things like that, like he's stagnating a little bit. And I think like an actual, you know, well-drilled competent midfield coach could help him out a lot. Um, obviously there are a bunch of outside forces there, so we're not going to get into it, but um Yeah. Uh, you know, it's hard enough for anybody to defend down a man, and it's hard to, harder for Austin, I guess. Um, Seth, stock falling? Um, my stock falling, 
I feel like it's an easy one, but we haven't talked about him on this podcast yet. It's Owen Wolf. Uh, I, especially with Ring back in the midfield, obviously Owen will get the start on Wednesday with um, Danny being out, I presume, at this point. But I, I'm still confused why he, he's not one of our three best midfielders. And at this point, like he's still fine as a sub, but he is not, he's, it seems like he's sort of, I'm not going to say regressed, but. I guess maybe that's a fair term since U20 World Cup. I understand he's played a lot of minutes. He's gotten in there, but he's also someone that maybe not playing for his dad would ultimately be beneficial yeah. to his career. He's made the same mistake twice in each of the last two games where he's been forward on the dribble and dribbled probably five to 10 yards too long as opposed to passing the ball and getting it forward. And ultimately it killed, it killed an opportunity each time. Yeah. Uh, he also yeah. had another opportunity where he sort of like double clutched and you could either pass or shoot. And then he ended up just sort of like tamely tapping it against one of their players um, and ended up with neither. But yeah, I, I have some hope actually for him coming out of this league's cup break that he would get some rest. Uh, Cause I'm sure he was gassed after the U 20 world cup and dad's doing him no favors playing him every minute of every game like that. But uh, you know, I think he's been, yeah, I don't know. I think regressed is fair. Yeah, I, I think one of the bad things about the early in the season when he scored that goal against RSL, I think that actually kind of hurt his hurt him a little bit because one, I think it raised our expectations for him, and two, I think it gave him a little too much confidence to try to just dribble through a defense. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder how much the like links uh, abroad too were kind of. Hey, well, you're so much better than these guys. And like, I'm not saying he's like an arrogant prick like this or anything, but like, it could easily happen where, uh, you know, it kind of gets in your head. It's like, oh, well, I can do these things that these other MLS guys can't do. So I'm going to go ahead and try to do that and ends up blowing up in his face. Um, well, I mean, we have, we have another guy on our roster who played a bunch of minutes at the, actually played more minutes than him at the U20 World Cup for the US Men's National Team, who has yet to see the pitch for us. So we'll put that for what that is, too. We'll put that we'll as Seth's uh, backup stock rising. <laughs> no, that's his. Like, if I were a Philly fan, I'd be furious at Austin, and they're right to be furious at us. Yeah, he should be on a. You know what? Honestly, play him at Fcito right now. Like, why not? Yeah, I mean, this guy's getting no minutes at all. Like, we're we're doing a disservice to to Brandon Craig. I I feel really like if we play Philly in a game next year, and he had to play against us. Like, he should go ham against us because, like, he'll, well, hopefully he won't know all of our stuff if Wolf is gone. But even if we we'll, even if we have a great run and Wolf is still around, like, yeah, I, he, like, I, how we've mistreated him is perplexing to me. Well, maybe he's still doing his mandatory nine hundred days of learning the Wolf system, but also that only applies sometimes. I was going to say, like, I actually, I mean, seeing how Memo has contributed immediately, like, I actually don't think that's as much of a thing. Like, go practice, show that you can be useful, and Wolf will play you. Yeah. Uh, I lost track. Are we on Charles? Yeah. Charles, stock falling. Uh, I think my stock falling is Julio Cascante. Um, since we're combining two matches here, you know, he looked really bad trying to defend in space on Sunday in St. Louis City. And uh, he also got beat on a header in the box. And if you're a defender and you can't, you're not fast enough to deal with speed and you're not physical enough to deal with um, physicality and headers in the box, then what good are you on defense? Yeah, I about lost my shit on the one against, uh, you know, I don't have VP next to my title, so I can say that. 
Um, I about uh, lost my shit uh, on that one with uh, Giacchini where uh, he starts backing off and basically like ends up in the net. And I mean, it's a great shot from Giacchini where he just picks the corner, but um, yeah. What's, what's really funny is Taylor Twelman a couple days ago tweeted out a video of Neymar scoring, thinking that it was Neymar in the Saudi league and asking, is that a testimonial? Or that, that's like testimonial defending or blah, blah. So it turned out it was from a testimonial. But the defender did exactly what Julio was doing, which was he just backed up until like the six-yard box and didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and the reason why you, you don't see that happen very often is that smarter and better defenders make a decision outside of the box to either, I'm going to get the ball or I'm going to foul him. And Julio just kept backing up and kept backing up and just... Yeah, and then and then let him cut inside, and it just it's it's a mess, and it it really, I feel I just feel bad for Brad Stuber because he's such a good keeper, and he just has no defense in front of him, and yeah. the work that he does to like keep us giving up fewer goals than we should be giving up by like uh, especially by like post shot XG because Austin's one of the few teams that consistently outperforms that. Um, is I, I just hope that someday Brad gets a competent defense in front of them. The the amount heat of heat people were putting on him after the St. Louis game was wild to me. Because I'm saying, did y'all watch the same game where no one was helping him out, where he made a save and nobody was there to clean the ball up, and so the the guy who made the shot could actually circle back and kick it into the net after Stuber made yeah. an electric save. Are we watching the same damn games here, y'all? Yeah, like pin the yeah. So I actually the rest of them were kind of. Eh. <laughs> Yeah, so so I actually looked this up. Austin is one of only four teams to outperform their post-shot XG since 2021. The other teams are New England with Matt Turner and um, Petrovic, who just got yeah, sold. Petrovic, yeah, who yeah. just got yeah, sold to Chelsea. Uh, Nashville, who is always considered one of the perennial best defensive teams in Seattle and Austin. And those are the only four teams that always do it, and that is Stuber. And I just wish that he would have a team that wouldn't force him to make so many saves. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot of that's Julio linked. But, um, yeah, I mean, he was gone for a little bit. It's not like things got a ton better. So we'll see. Maybe we'll end up with a, a Leo and a Matt Hedges defense next year. Oh, I hope. I mean, I'm not crazy about Matt Hedges, but give me him over Julio any day of the week. Um, yeah, Julio was uh, a good pick, and I definitely wanted to talk about that uh, roasting he got from, like, you know, Shaquini's a good player, but it's not like, you know, he's going up against, I've said his name too many times, like, uh, Messi, but, like, come on, uh, well, you could be a little bit better. It happened twice in the match, where he just let guys dribble in the box. It wasn't just once. I'm pretty sure it was twice last week. Yeah, and then he got if you're going to let a guy dribble, show him to the line. Don't give him the entire fucking goal to look at. Yeah. So it's just, and it's not the first time it's happened this season. It also happened in Leagues Cup, right? So it's just a pattern of the the same thing keeps happening. And we're not putting the blame in the right spot, if you ask me. Yeah, and I think part of this, too, is like Julio is definitely not fast enough to play as, you know, high uh, high up the pitch, high press as Josh wants him to. Um, But he can pass the ball, so Josh likes him and he thinks it's good enough. Um, It's a whole thing. That again, you know, we could probably do an entire podcast on this uh, and just talk about some tactics on that. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a cop out on my stock falling and say Josh Wolf. Uh, we went into a ton of the reasons earlier. 
But I think the kind of main discussion after last night, at least for a lot of people, has shifted from wolf in, wolf out to wolf out when. Uh, does he need to be fired now or do we look in the offseason? Uh, or, you know, a lot of the the wolf in stuff has been either like, you know, people with, you know, much lower expectations. The, you know, ninth place is good enough. As long as we make the playoffs, coach keeps his job. Or um, people who are just like, well, if Roto trusts him, that's good enough for me, uh, which is fair, you know, fair take. But um, yeah, I don't, I think it's safe to say, at least with the vast majority of fans, it's over for Wolf. And uh, hopefully the front office recognizes that. We'll see. Uh, on that cheery fucking note, um, Brad, do you want to give us your uh, moment of suffering? All right. So I alluded to this earlier. Um, last night, eh, during the second half, so my wife had gone outside and let the dog out and realized she smelled like she thought was a gas leak outside. Okay. Um, and so she calls the gas company and is like, hey, we think we smell a gas leak. Come out, check it out real quick. Well, while we're waiting on them to show up, She's on the phone, like kind of on hold, talking to somebody or uh, talking to the neighbor or something like that in the living room. And we get the ball on that 96-minute counterattack <laughs> on the turnover. And all of a sudden, I'm gasping, pointing at the screen, trying not to scream and interrupt her conversation, while at the same time freaking out. And then we hit the crossbar. Um, so for and me, that was the goal. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the goal, like not even – 45 seconds later to which the words and I didn't care at this point, God damn it came out of my mouth about as loud as it possibly could. Um, and then the worst part was it wasn't even the gas leak. It's just apparently the neighbors decided to leave their trash cans outside right next to our fence in 105 degree weather. It's because genius. Oh, well, I mean, I guess it's better than a gas leak. Not really, man. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> All right. Not for All my right. nostrils. All righty. Uh, Seth, how about you? Um, maybe I already did mine. Your moment of suffering? Oh, my moment, my moment of suffering. Sorry, I was my biggest moment of suffering was I was in St. Louis last week, and let me tell you, 117 heat index. Getting into that beautiful stadium, really nice venue, everything else there. But like, I couldn't get a chant going in the second half from our fans because we were already all so sweat soaked, dejected, and wondering what the hell life choices we had made to be in that moment of like the sunset two hours ago, we are losing by this much. Every time we score, we know they're going to score again. And just like this hopelessness is that was, that was more than a moment of suffering. See, you're looking at it wrong though, Seth, because really, if you just start the game at the 60th minute, we tied three, three. Yeah. You you know what? Uh, (laughs) That's yeah. how uh, yes, and if we look at it that way, we gave up a lead three times. <laughs> yeah, that's still not good. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're picking and choosing, and we're still coming out with a shitty result. Yeah, you know you're a bad team. <laughs> it is. I, I don't care what the sport is. That's how you know you're a bad team. I was about to say, if it is not in the smack dead middle of summer, St. Louis does have a really nice facility. It was compared to what we had to deal with um, in Frisco, where we have to deal our. our Team ho- we went from te- hotel lobby to in our seats in eight minutes. That's an all-time record. 
um, like really cool, really cool fans there. Like they're really good people. We might be developing an on the pitch rivalry with them, but like they're good folks. Their casual fans know way more about the game than our casual fans do. Um, it's a city that deserved a soccer team before this, and I'm glad they have a team. And now I just want to actually beat them. Yeah, uh, beating them would be would be nice. Um, we, uh, by the way, was it uh, Leslie found that hotel for you guys? Yeah, shout out to Leslie. Good, good find there. Yeah. Um, we made the executive decision to go. We, I mentioned it in the intro. Uh, we went to go get a puppy uh, instead of going to that city match. And because uh, I am from St. Louis, and I have been through many in August in there, and I knew what the fuck you guys were in for. Um, so I'm, uh, you know, I feel bad for you, but like the game had to have made it so much worse. Yeah, I mean, if we had won, like it would have just been an interesting story at that point yeah. of like, oh, oh yeah, yeah it's we hot there, but you remember that goal by whatever. Yeah, I mean, we we look back on DC, which had a 45 minute thunderstorm delay, quite nostalgically because we scored three goals at the end of the match and won. Yep. Uh, or even some of the the Frisco one, I think, was the one that was rain-delayed here, and we ended up just kicking the shit out of them. It might have been Houston. Um, they Here's were both the same week. Yeah. Uh, Charles, your moment of suffering? So suffering from joy, the name of the podcast. No. So I've talked about I know this what you're before. picking, no. <laughs> and on Saturday morning, I, I'm a Manchester United fan. They went down to Nottingham Forest, 2-0 in the first five minutes and showing incredible grit and determination and the really kind of ethos that the club stands for fought <laughs> the rest of the way back to win 3-2. Unfortunately, I ran the stats on this. 53 times Austin FC of Manchester United have played on the same day or on consecutive days. The number of times both teams have won is four. <laughs> So immediately, having the stats, I realized that there was only a 13% chance that Austin was going to win Copa Tejas last night, based on three years of data. Again, this is not half-assed. I completely did this, whole last. And so that was immediately my suffering, because I had bad eye feelings for the match anyway, but at that point, I knew Austin was going to lose. Yeah. Um, I actually have three. Uh, so we're going to kind of, and two of them are kind of intertwined. Uh, one was the like last second delay against FC Juarez, um, where like I was already in the stadium. So like we got Oscar blues before most of the games we showed up there, there was like a crypto zoology wrestling thing going on. And so like the whole place was shut down. They had like one little tent out in the corner and you had to stand outside and we're like, fuck this. We're going to go to the stadium, whatever. So we go up there and we're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, we haven't been to a game in a while. Like, you know, we'll uh, we'll grab a margarita or something. And so we do that. And I was like, all right, well, you know, like game's about to start. Like we'll get our money's worth. And then like as I'm paying for this exorbitantly priced uh, double pour that tasted like absolute shit margarita, uh, I find out the game's been delayed uh, at like the absolute last second. And so we were kind of already in like crazy land and then the game happened. Um, so that's my story. That just sucked. Uh, and then I have like a combo from this past game, which is I mentioned, um, you know, as soon as we missed that shot, I felt way worse about our chances because uh, Arsenal are kind of the kings of have a great, you know, setup, barely miss a shot. And then the other team comes down and scores. So I knew it was going to happen. Uh, the other side of it was the announcement a couple hours before the game started that Jesus Ferreira wasn't going to play. 
because I knew we were going to find a way to fuck it up and it was going to feel so much worse uh, knowing that even without the the Pirate of the Caribbean and their only real goal scorer, we were going to find a way to to not take Copatejas back from Frisco. Uh, well, that was fucking exhausting. Anything else you guys want to say right now? Oh, I thought it was weird. Jesus Ferreira was there last night. Like, he wasn't... Like, he was oh, in street clothes and just, thing. like, hanging out. Yeah, I heard it was... I heard that his uh, illness was transferitis. Ah. But it seems weird that they would sell him now. I mean, if there is one logic of FC Dallas, it is how can we make as much money from our academy at any given time? Yeah, more drones. More, yeah, more drones. <laughs> No, but um, he had been linked with Cadiz and La Liga. He's been linked with a few other teams. And um, if he has played his last match as a um, member of FC Dallas, we wish him the best and wish that he – and honestly, like, as an American, I do actually want to see him get to do develop. And I would love for him eh. to be competing with Flo and with Pepe and, like, get better as a player. I, I – I, like, as, as a U.S. fan, I want him to succeed, and I think his best way to succeed is um, not in North Texas. He should only play against Caribbean teams. That's his, like, there's, like, de- special designation roster spot every time against a Caribbean team, throw him out there. Well, he gets to do that again in, Aux- in Austin in a few months, so you're good. Uh, so, or maybe. We don't know who we're going to get. Yeah, he may, he, but... he may not even get called up for that, actually. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. as I was saying, it could be Panama. It could be some team that's more decent than that. But, yeah, just trying to figure out how all this fun stuff will work. Or maybe they send him to Cadiz, which is literally in the Mediterranean. And then you get to play half of your games in the middle of a sea. Mm, maybe he'll be really good there. Oh, well, that would be nice. Uh, give him a couple years abroad and have him score some actual, like, decent goals for us. And maybe I'll come around on him. But he still crosses me as too much of a prick for me to actually support the guy. How does he fare against killer whales in the Mediterranean? This is a real question. If he's going to be on the pilot. <laughs> I don't know. Let's run the experiment and see what the science says. I was about to say, um, I will be, I'm glad to be an in-person volunteer if uh, the Suffering from Joy podcast wants to sponsor any trips over there to figure this out. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, as soon as we get somebody to sponsor us, we'll start sponsoring things like that. How about that? Yeah, exactly. No. It's all good. Talk to I know a few uh, VPs of some companies, so uh, maybe I'll be able to talk them into it. <laughs> I got a guy, all right. That's all I'm saying. That's all right. Done. We're gonna end on that note. Uh, this is, I mean, we're smashing an entire month into an episode, so I don't mind running a little bit long. But um, yeah, I think we were we were in ninety plus PKs league scuffing. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, uh, at least the new, uh, with the Club America, Club America yeah. National League Cup, where you actually leave the field for a few minutes and then you finish. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be silent for eight minutes and then it's gonna come back. So keep listening, guys. Fun. Yeah, the new uh, World Cup uh, style added time in the Premier League, also. Yes. Uh, so uh, on behalf of uh, Seth and Brad and Charles, uh, I hope this shit gets better. But in the meantime, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. Promise here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory. 